0: Off to Canberra with 7.30's Chief Political Correspondent blazing away with both barrels. Laura, Federal Parliament resumed in Canberra today. Kalu Kalei for climate change.
1: Yes, Philip. Um, Remember climate change? I mean, we we forgot it for a few weeks while we were talking about jobs and skills and productivity, but uh, it was back today. The Greens moved um, some legislation to establish what's called a climate trigger, uh, which essentially says that uh, um, any new projects have to uh, sort of show what their uh, emissions impact will be before they can be approved. The Greens argue that um, at the moment you you have you can sort of uh, once you've approved a project, you can ask this question, but not beforehand. So. Um, It will be interesting to see what happens. They've got the support um, of some of the independents uh, on the Senate crossbench about this. Um, And the Senate independents, which includes Jackie Lambie and her new partner in um, Senatedom, (laughs) Tammy Tyrrell and David Pocock in the ACT, also are trying to get further moves um, to make any government spending on major infrastructure projects Uh, have to say what their climate impact will be. Um, I understand that there have been meetings with uh, the Minister Chris Bowen this afternoon and everybody's expecting to come away happy and um, for this legislation to go through uh, by tomorrow essentially.
0: The other hot topic, of course, is bound to be industrial relations, Laura. Off the back of the Jobs and Skills Summit, what did you make of the summit in the end?
1: Look, I think it achieved its purpose, uh, Philip. It, um, I, I think we've been in this sort of sort of weirdly binary world and, you know, of of, of immense and intense and immediate satisfaction you know, where you, or actually dissatisfaction when I think about it, but, you know, problem comes up, government comes out with some fairly fatuous, I'm talking government with a small g, government comes out with fatuous apparent response to it it gets shoved off and you never hear anything more about it. All the people who are involved in the discussion don't get to talk about it. Um, I think this was a good reset for the way politics works. You're seeing a pattern now in the way the Prime Minister approaches these things, whether it's the voice, tax cuts, industrial relations, where he lets the issue run for a while. Um, At some point, he's going to have to come in and say, well, thanks, everybody, for saying what you think, but you know, we've got a few. Um, this is this is what we're going to do. But he's he's letting the issues be a bit uh, ventilated along the way. The summit was good for that. The two industrial relations issues that came out uh, are the better off overall test um, being modified. And let's let's look at thing. let's
0: look at that in more detail in just a moment. But mm. uh, the idea of dismissing it as a talk fest, not necessarily a bad thing to have a of talk.
1: Well, I mean, one could argue that the parliament is a permanent talk fest. If you really wanted to do that, I mean, I think it's a, it is a really fatuous thing to say, isn't it, Philip? That it's a talk fest. What's wrong with that? As you say. Um, so, I mean, I think it it was useful. Um, I, I remember, and I'm not sure if we talked about this last week or not, but um, when we were looking back at the footage from the 1983 summit, um, there was this whole thing where captains of the industry of industry of the day had never actually met any trade unionists. Um a lot of these people don't actually get to talk to each other and it's quite a revelation when they do and are forced to listen to each other. So it can be quite useful.
0: And of course it represents a break from the trend of PMs who were well, reluctant to put ideas out in the public for debate.
1: Well, reluctant to put out ideas out in private <laughs> for debate with the cabinet, I would have said Philip. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's. I think it's quite a refreshing thing, and I think it's also refreshing that you don't necessarily. I mean, it's quite interesting. A lot of people get quite anxious about the fact that the government is putting out ideas about. Oh well, we probably need to fix this or change this without being prescriptive immediately about what you do about it because they say, well, what's going to happen? You know, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, you know, have a bit of a talk about it, people, and let's think about what the options are. I mean, if you think about um, let's avoid the boot uh, the boot for the moment, Phil, Philip, and just talk about this idea of multi-employer bargaining. I mean, if you just think about the way that debate has moved from, you know, a couple of weeks ago where everybody said, oh, it's either going to be... Uh, economy-wide bargaining a la the sort of centralised wage fixing we had in the 70s and 80s or a free-for-all. It's become so much more nuanced. Um, Anthony Albanese is still not saying exactly how he would see this all working, but you've got quite a lot of talk going on between um, the ACTU and the business groups uh, and the Minister, Tony Burke, which is also a bit of a you know, a, a blast from the past where you actually let your minister do stuff instead of running it all yourself. So, you know, I think it, I think it's all good stuff.
0: Talking to Laura, Two Gun Tingle, and we're staying with percussive ideas. We had a climate trigger last time we spoke was about the 1983 job summit. Laura, nice to see there was more than one woman in attendance this time.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, we, I mean, last, in 1983, the only person, the uh, only woman who was actually a delegate was Susan Ryan. And there was Eva Cox up the back looking very grumpy because she wasn't <laughs> not allowed to talk, which is always a, a challenge for Eva. But um, but this time we had this, you know, overwhelming number of women. And, uh, of course, the sort of first speech of the day came from uh, Danielle Wood uh, from the Grattan Institute. And that's been widely lauded because she set the um the, the sort of uh, the structure up about talking about productivity. and as a and a, as an aside, and I've got to say I, I haven't actually found out what the answer to this question is, but it was really interesting that they got somebody from outside the system to talk about it, Philip, not Treasury or the reserve Bank. they got sort of somebody outside to sort of set the scene, and I thought that was interesting in itself. but who, who uh,
0: was in charge of casting, Laura?
1: Now you've got me. I'm not entirely sure, Philip. Uh, it was a rather mysterious procedure, office.
0: but it had some pretty good results.
1: It had it had really good results. It, it I mean, there were some dissatisfying parts of it in a way. Um, I suppose the big, the most dissatisfying or unsatisfying, unsatisfying, was um, there was a, a big build-up about changing the discussion about uh, the role of women in the workforce. Uh, about it not just being a gender equity issue, but about the fact that, you know, women are this immediate resource um, where we can boost productivity if we can make it possible and viable for women who are, you know, very well educated to get into the workforce and stay there and be properly compensated. And I think the expectations were built up reasonably high that there'd be more outcomes that would support that than there actually were. Um, but I think this is the classic example of why Talkfest talk fest is good. I think the job summit was very important in changing that conversation and getting into place this idea. Actually, it is about you know, economic efficiency and productivity and and the structure of the workforce. It's not just about, as I think Katie Gallagher, the minister said, being nice to girls
0: <laughs> now you've been busting to get stuck into the order of the boot now's your chance
1: oh oh it's one of those complicated things um i mean and i think it's not really all that clear what's happening but this is the better off overall test which has been this point of contention um which is essentially saying that um you know as, as long as the majority of workers were better off under a deal um you know that was fine um But it's become so loaded down and confused. This was something that happened essentially during the Rudd-Gillard era. Um, Of course, Paul Keating and um, Bill Kelty have been pretty scathing about some of the reforms that have taken place under the under a former Labor government, i.e., not the Keating one, but the one in between. Um, And they've sort of said that it bastardised the enterprise bargaining system that they sort of set in train and it's certainly true that the system doesn't work and the better off overall test and all these sort of complexities that are currently around it um, make it you know a pretty hopeless system but there's there's been intransigence on the part of both labor and the unions about doing anything that changed it until now Um, i think there are some things that only a labor government can change not because they're you know inherently splendid but because um, you need the trust of of the trade union movement and and employers for that matter that you're taking this seriously and unfortunately the the way the politics of industrial relations were played by the former government meant that they weren't able to build up that um, environment of trust um, amongst the parties.
0: Alan Kohler was on the telly tonight with one of his, well a whole pile of his, very amusing graphs and he was pointing out the profits are booming, but of course, uh, wages are stagnating and this boot thing gives us a chance to, uh, well, kickstart stagnating wages.
1: Well, both boot and um, changing the bargaining structure so that people can actually get better wages outcomes. I mean, you know, we've long passed the days when, you know, I mean, you know, there, I'm sure there are still a few militant unionists out there, but the majority of union members now, Philip, are women uh, in low-paid industries. They're not sort of barnstorming union thugs, as Peter Dutton would have it. Um, we And they are not included in the current enterprise bargaining system, so they get lousy wage outcomes. That flows through to the fact they don't have any money to spend. That flows through to the fact that it sort of makes the economy sluggish and um, reduces, you know reduces the the capacities of the economy, reduces the amount of tax peop- that the government gets from employees, all those things. Um, so all of these things, um, you know, add up to the fact that real wages have been falling for a decade. That's not good. Um, the profit share is right up. Uh, there, there's got to be some rebalancing, regardless of your views of capitalism, socialism or anything, just purely in terms of actually... Getting the economy moving again.
0: Now we've we had a wonderful experience a while back with uh, Pauline Hanson in a burka. Today, a new member wearing a flag.
1: That's right. Um, the new independent member for Fowler, um, who famously um, uh, did away with uh, Christina Keneally, our uh, um gave a very powerful maiden speech in the House, uh, dressed in uh, traditional Vietnamese. Costume, but which was made out of an Australian flag, told an extraordinary, powerful story about escaping from Vietnam as a refugee in a boat um, uh, to Hong Kong. years spent in a um, refugee camp, um, and you know, a, 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 an extraordinary story um, of of survival and all those things. Um, but then coming coming to the point of, you know, who. A gratitude that she and her uh, sister and mother were accepted in Australia, um, but being very angry as a lot of MPs and you know citizens in Western Sydney were last year for the differential way that they were treated um, to the eastern suburbs during the lockdown, um, but also talking about issues that did come up at the summit, which go to, okay, we've got this really tight labor market. Everybody's saying we've got to increase migration. That's fine. But, you know, we've got to do something about housing. We've got to do something about services in these areas, particularly where a lot of migrants are going to come into and there aren't the services there to make it easy for them to um, make a new life. And of course, we've got to look after the people who are already here.
0: Now, Laura, between two guns a tingle. We're about to talk to such uh, dead-eyed Dass about global inflation. In one wo- minute or less, the, what's the federal government doing to ease the economic pressure?
1: Well, at the moment, the, I think the pressure is outwinning the easing, uh, Philip. We've got the Reserve Bank likely to make another half percentage point increase in interest rates tomorrow. And um, you've got uh, the... Uh, a uh, pause in uh, petrol indexation coming off, so there's a lot of really bad news coming on that front. The government's promising it will do something more in the budget to help people, um, but I think you know I think they're going to be losing the battle to ease pressure in the short term.
0: Laura Tingle, chief political correspondent, 7:30. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask
1: your smart speaker to play ABCRN.